Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And it's yet another sad week in a year of really sad weeks of sort of heroic, epic black figures dying, along with the death of previously unknown people who've made us incredibly sad. But the year that started with the death of Kobe Bryant now continues with the death of Chadwick Boseman, uh, Black Panther, which has made a lot of people really, really sad. And um, I got to say, I agree with them. I'm really sad about that, too. I think that his death is striking such a hard tone. One, obviously, he's an extraordinary actor who brought many of our real life heroes and then fictional ones to life. But I also think that it's striking such a hard tone because black people have just lost so fucking much in 2020. Like everything's been taken. I think one of the memes that I've seen this week is like, you know, we have every 2020 has taken everything except for racism and police brutality. Like literally. I mean, I saw, um, I saw a tweet thread that really, moved me um about talking to children about how to deal with and process chadwick's death because we took them to see black panther first weekend because it was an important film for them to see because here was this beautiful world and this beautiful man and this beautiful vision of blackness it was like Black is beautiful in motion on screen for two hours, and our children needed to see that, and they were so inspired and empowered by this vision. And to see him die is like, oh, my God. Like, And, you know, it's just sort of to take away this fictional Black king. um, It's just really sort of ripping your heart out. I am inspired by how much he accomplished in such a short time on earth 
I am inspired mm-hmm. by the vision of leadership that he put out there. I mean, as great as he is in the in Black Panther, he's also extremely powerful in Spike's latest film, The Five Bloods, where he mm-hmm. is the leader of a group of Vietnam soldiers. He is the one who teaches them how to survive in the jungle. He's the one who teaches them how to be an even better soldier. And it's a really sort of beautiful portrayal of a man. And I mean, so many times that he was tapped to be a leader from Black Panther to James Brown to Thurgood Marshall that, you know, just defy bloods. Like there's, it's, it's more than just a character actor, which he was an extraordinary actor, but there's something in you. If people keep saying over and over, we see you as a leader. I think the way that he embodied black heroism is something that, you know, we attributed to the characters that we, he was playing. But after now learning that the man at all of the films that we just named and some that we're missing, he created in the last four years where he was battling cancer, mm. stage three and then stage four cancer. And now most of us, if not all of us, because cancer is that kind of disease, knows what a physically and emotionally gutting disease it is. And so the idea that he could conjure the type of spirit and passion and strength to convey these messages to us, to leave behind an extraordinary legacy that not only allowed us to see ourselves, but even in his death, ask ourselves genuinely about the kind of impact and purpose that we're having, right? Like, you know, I I said in a tweet after Jamel Hill had tweeted, um, you know, all of the movies that he had done over the last four years and recognizing that he had done so, you know, probably, obviously, in extraordinary pain. That, and I said, you know, what's fascinating about this is that Chadwick Boseman answered the question that we all existentially ask ourselves at one time or another, which is, if somebody were to say to you tomorrow that you have a short time to live, if that is a year, if that is three years, four years to live, what is your life going to look like? How are you going to show up? And Chadwick Boseman was given that question and he answered it over and over and over again as showing up as his most extraordinary black excellent self um, to, such a, to such a degree that no one had any idea. And I thought for certain, and this was what was shocking to me, I thought for certain that of anyone that would know, would have been Ryan Coogler. And the fact that he didn't know, right? Like he is training and build, you know, you have to build your body for these action movies. It was an action film. And the fact that he's building his body, he's doing these stunts and all of these things and not even the director of, you know, this extraordinary film knew that anything was awry to me is, is just, it's a testament to his strength and the fact that he wanted his work to speak for him. Because we know what would have happened if this had leaked, if people had known. He would have never gotten these roles. People would have said, oh, no, you couldn't possibly take this on. All of these things. And the story would have been about him and cancer as opposed to what it was he was bringing to the table. I mean, you know, the the part of the beauty of the whole Black Panther thing is that it combines 
this physical power and beauty with um, intellect and wisdom. So he's giving you both sides of it. And sometimes we are allowed to see a strong and physically beautiful black person on stage. But like, you know, the intellect and the physicality are usually separated. You're usually one or the other. And someone mm -hmm. who is wise and smart and courageous enough to and, and charismatic enough to lead a nation as well as strong enough, physically strong enough to fight off individual and, and group uh, uh, enemies. You know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, it was such an inspiring um, combination. And you know what I love too, so much at a Black Panther <clears throat> was the relationship between him and his sister right and oh, how much they yeah. loved each other and how she was able to raz him and he was able to accept it in good cheer and how he rode for her and like when he saw her in trouble and he threw off like four attackers <laughs> to run to her side it was like Oh my God. Like, isn't that what you would want out of a sister and a brother, like there for each other. And like, that was that, you know, as a, as somebody who has a great sister and has a boy and a girl is like, that is like ugh, the dream. Yeah. He gave us so much and the film gave us so much. And I, I hope that, that Disney and, and Ryan Coogler, if he's set to direct, the next one. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if there will be a replacement. Maybe they'll change the entire story. I mean, there are so many characters within that series to concentrate on while they look for, you know, the right person. Um, but he just, he, he, I think that it, it broke our hearts because so much has broken our heart I that mean, our heart is actually has been broken wide open in 2020 and there has been no healing. So this, on top of everything else, it was like, how much loss can we take? And in his death, almost feeling like we lost Wakanda when we needed it mm. the most it is, I think, is what's weighing on 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 all of us uh, so so much. I mean, there will be a Black Panther too. I imagine you'll see that in late twenty twenty two. Maybe yeah, 2023, uh, you know, coming off a, what, billion-dollar performance, it's either a summer tentpole like July 4th or Christmas, right? So maybe you get this for Christmas 2023. And there will be a moment where, within the story, they have to give a tribute to their fallen king. Right. And, you know, perhaps they are able to use, you know, Hollywood able to use some footage of the Black Panther that we hadn't previously seen. And, mm. you know, mm -hmm. there won't be a dry eye in the house like, oh, my God, I get goosebumps just thinking about, you know, the tribute to him that will come in Black Panther 2. Um I can't think of anybody else who could have done the role so perfectly. Um, it just makes me sad. 
it makes me sad, but I think that the thing that we all need to kind of hold in this moment is, you know, it's the question that we're all grappling with is how, how do we want to be? How do we want to show up? What do we want to offer, right? Instead of just take, take, take. I think that's the thing that gets me also about this extraordinary black man, right? Passes away when all of these other extraordinary black men, Kobe Bryant, John Lewis, like John Thompson, in a, in, 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 a, in a world where, in a country and in a world where we're told that there isn't such a thing as extraordinary black men. Right. Where they're they're animals to be gunned down, to be choked to death, like to be imprisoned, all of these things. And so it's just such a juxtaposition between all of these heroes that we've lost this year and what is happening in the streets right now to black people. Like it's a it's it's a lot. It's well, I mean, my God, transitioning to the fictional America that the right would have us looking toward i mean I, I saw this sign on the street the other day where it was said biden's america rioting and looting and i was like is he president right now because i'm confused current america <laughs> I, I mean trump and his supporters seem to want to couch the current america as biden's america as if trump is running as the insurgent and biden is the incumbent overseeing a wrecked america and trump is like when i become president i will solve covid and i will fix the burning american cities and i'm like no 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 that is your current responsibility and you are failing at it and by the way american cities are not on fire you're just saying they are so what are we really talking about this show From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts.
was part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. But just, I mean, you know, when Biden said this week, and this is what I, I took from his speech, he said Trump wants to act like a bystander of his own presidency. Right. Right? So everything, like you just said, it's just like, Oh, it, Biden's America is going to be dangerous. Motherfucker, we were in Biden's America. It was called the Obama-Biden administration. And nice. I don't remember shit being up in flames. And I don't remember white vigilantes, like, stalking the streets. Well, Right? Well, like, well, what are you well, talking about? Well, well, we did. Well, no. Well, there, I, I mean, in mass. I mean, I mean, militia I mean, in the, mass. No, I, I mean, like, you know, obviously you don't mean that everything was perfect when Obama was no. president. Um um, but I mean, the the rights vision that we should fear Biden's America is a bizarre argument to take up when their argument is also that currently American streets are burning and we need Trump to take care of it when American streets are not burning. And I'm not sure why people in the suburbs would believe that and would want to support him. I mean, there's just not a coherent argument from the right and even from the Trump administration about why he should be reelected. It's a fantasy argument. The cities are burning and you need me to impose law and order. And it's yet more. But if you did your, yeah. if you did your job, then we wouldn't be here. I mean, that's the thing that I don't understand. Like how, they're at all. like how they're selling this bullshit to us, like force feeding it down our throats, because I'm just like, I, I don't understand if you could actually impose law and order, we wouldn't be here right now. I mean, if you actually were doing your job and American streets, frankly, are on fire with COVID-19, by the way, <laughs> that he's not doing anything about, by the way, the president who repeatedly tweets and screams about law and order sees Kyle fucking Rittenhouse murdering protesters in the street and says there are very fine people on both sides. Wait a minute now. Why isn't it law and order when a 17-year-old is walking around with an AR-15 and murdering citizens? Why did, where, how, how did he become a victim? But even that, it's not even, it's, it's, what is the derangement of these white conservatives to look at a murderer and say that that is their new mascot? They have raised, white evangelicals have raised 
probably at this point over $300,000 for Kyle Rittenhouse, a fucking murderer, a person that murdered two people. They act as if Kyle Rittenhouse was drafted, right? Like he was a soldier in the fucking army and he was drafted into going to Kenosha. No, he could have stayed the fucking Illinois, but he decided to arm himself and then to go there and they want to tell us, oh, it was self-defense. No, when you arm yourself, drive across another state and insert yourself in a peaceful protest and open up fire, that's called premeditated murder. It is. It is. But And, and it plays into the right's continuing fantasy of injuring and harming and murdering left-wing protesters. And this is part of why we saw that maniac drive into protesters with a car. This mm-hmm. is, I mean, like, the 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 vision the caricature or vision of a right winger with a truck driving through and over left wing protesters you see quite a lot in right wing chat rooms discussed and visualized and yet again this is see when you talk about on this show your life feeling in danger out of trumpism Rittenhouse is a hardcore MAGA supporter who was recently photographed in the front row at a Trump rally. And if you think that he's not taking his message that he should shoot and kill uh, black and lefty people from Trump, you're crazy. Of course he is inspired by Trump to do these things. And this is the way that Trumpism becomes a direct threat to our lives, that there are people who want to kill us because of the inspiration of Trump. And when he loses in November, Trumpism will not die. And there will be more people like him who are angry and want to take up arms against the country that they feel like is being stolen from them because they, they, they will assume that the election was stolen when they lose. Right. I wonder where they, where are they getting their mail from over the course (laughs) of these days? I just, I'm just curious. Do they think it's like, did they get a Trump flyer that says that the, that it's going to be stolen? Because like, I think that you have to be, you have to suspend logic get a lobotomy in order to believe that Biden is the one that is going, that is working overtime to steal this election. Well, suspending logic and having a lobotomy is another word for watching Fox news. True story. If you're right, if you are living in the right wing bubble, watching Fox, listening to rush, Mark Levin, you didn't even have to go as far as Alex Jones. You think OANN is real. You know, maybe you're like QAnon is not that crazy. Um, Then, yeah, Trump has already primed the pump for you to think the election is going to be stolen. The left is trying to screw you over, which is bizarre. As Trump is trying to steal the election, he's convincing his folks that the left is trying to steal the election. So, I mean, this is exactly what 
Russia would want, the sort of chaos and the lack of faith in democracy itself, that the country will be torn apart no matter which side wins. And I don't even say Russia as some hypothetical, you know, too over the top. Like, no, this is exactly what Putin would want, for Americans to lose faith in democracy itself. But, I mean, this is all, this is the the Kremlin experiment, right? Like, this was all seeded. This isn't an accident. Like, Donald Trump isn't just like, this isn't just happenstance. He was chosen for a reason. He is Putin and the right's Trojan horse, an empty vessel for which to fill up all of their ideals, all of their worst selves, and then, and then, when he does lose, pin it on him, and then they're going to try the Lindsey Grahams of the world, the Mark Rubios, the Matt Gates. They're all going to try and pretend that they didn't say anything over the past four the, years, the, that, the, they, that they were trying to work from the inside out. I swear to you. The right wing I, has embarrassed itself. The Republican Party has embarrassed itself for all of history in standing down when somebody who is not a Republican and does not stand up for conservative values took over their party and took them off a moral and intellectual cliff and only victory was beca- and power was their sole thing binding them and they followed him faithfully. And even as he personally attacked them, they followed mm-hmm. him, Ted Cruz as well, they followed him over, I mean, like, if we ever wondered how could Nazi Germany have done this. that, we have this. seen exactly how. And we have seen how some people, when you are in power and when corrupt power selects you to be on its side, how you'll go along with it, right? If, you know, so we, we understand how this could happen. Um, are the Republican- you know who I, wait. You know what I want to talk about for a moment? The, the person who actually began all of this, and I don't even remember if we talked about them last week, Jerry Falwell Jr. Jerry Falwell Jr., the leader of the white evangelicals, who everybody thought, right, during the, during the primary back in 2015, let's take, let's take a time machine for a moment. Everybody thought that he was actually going to back Ted Cruz, Right. An actual Christian, an asshole, but an actual Christian. Right. Somebody who may have read the Bible. And he didn't. And we all want and people were ruminating at that time. How? Why? I wonder. It's because the thing that I said for the longest time, Michael Cohen and Donald Trump had a dossier on all of these motherfuckers and their dirt and all of the things that they have been doing. Jerry Falwell Jr., do you think that if he had not come out, supported Donald Trump, put all the white evangelicals behind him, that he would have ascended to become the nominee? He wouldn't have. He needed that. And I like we don't talk about this. We talk about the thruple, or whatever the fuck he was saying. <laughs> but we don't talk about the fact that I'm pretty sure he was blackmailed into what eventually came out three and a half years later. You know, you, you, the, I'll give you the train of thought because you may be like, that seems random. But when I hear Jerry Falwell Jr., 
I think about a meme I saw where you see Melania going, I want a pool boy. And, and which then makes me think about today's drudge top of top of banner 181 28 point screaming headline Melania Trump used private email server like oh my god <laughs> oh my god you guys just do every, I mean like every single week it's like if this was a novel or a movie or a they TV show out. about a farcically bad first family, you'd be like, this is ridiculous. This doesn't make any freaking sense. So now the first lady is doing the same thing that he, no, this doesn't make any sense. It's too on the nose. It's too ridiculous. It's too much. And yet it's all, did you see the little meme of Melania making a little face at a, Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head-on. Vanka after she came off in her RNC speech and like smiling and then like making a and face then with- rolling her full eyes like she like like she was tired of seeing the mistress in her in her presence. Oh my god, bitch! I saw it. Oh the world god. saw it. Oh my god. Oh my god. I can't with these people. How could she? I'm sorry. How could she have worn some Kim Jong Un Mao Zedong military Mao dress? <laughs> To give her, like, did no one say, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, it, this looks a lot like that. And maybe we but should- what makes you think it's not on purpose? Like, we always <laughs> want to make pretend that, like, this shit is, it's the same thing with the jacket. I don't care. Do you? It was the same thing with that. This is a signal, right? She's ready for the war. But that's. She's I, ready I to be Hitler's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. And now he's in Kenosha touring this city, supporting the police, photographed in front of rubble. If I were Biden and Harris, let me tell you something. I would take that picture that he so wanted, right? I would take two pictures. Let's take the one of him holding the Bible upside down and backwards in front of a church he don't attend. 
Mm. after trampling over protesters. Mm. And then let's take the split screen shot of him standing in front of America that he has torched, Mm. right? This is Trump's America. You feel safer now? That would be my fucking ad. I mean, can we also get the the leg-dragging mini-stroke Trump in there? Because something happened. Something happened. You know, God, why, why... Why Keep God? The good ones. There, well, I have a list. Why if God? You need help. I have a list. But why, God? Why did you take Kobe and Chadwick and John Lewis, and you didn't take Trump? What you know? CT Vance. His and he heart, didn't take Trump. His, he didn't take Barr. His his he heart eats, he and his McDonald's. cholesterol. His arteries got to be clogged as a f- motherfucker. How did you right. not? How does it? Because I understand why he doesn't get COVID because he's in a literal bubble. But his heart's got to be on its last. Everybody legs. around him has COVID. Everybody, and I'm pretty sure he has had COVID. I don't know, but as dumb as he is, what he could never he he didn't actually take the hydroxy. He didn't actually drink the bleach. You know, he, you think that he would do something so dumb. That would lead I mean, he's his, definitely I, not using it on his skin. But why, God? That is why orange could, and what, peeling. Dear God, it's me, Torre. <laughs> Quick question, <laughs> sir. Sir, what? What? We? Why? Why didn't you take this pain away from us? Why? Why did you make us carry that? Why is there only one pair of footsteps on the beach <laughs> right now? Don't tell me Jesus is carrying me because Trump is still in the <laughs> White House. <laughs> Why why do you ask me to carry this burden? Because it's too much. It's Trump. It's COVID. It's a man in a jetpack flying through the air. It's murder hornets. It's multiple tornadoes at once. It's Chadwick. It's Kobe. It's John Lewis. It's hurricanes. It's too there's there's too much to carry this year. I can't. My son said to me the other day. Why would people ask, how are you this year? Oh, shit. <laughs> that, that question is insane. What, don't no, do you, know what the, do you know what the worst one is? I hope this email finds you well. And somebody said, it doesn't. It does so not. So now what? It does not. It <laughs> so does now not. what? Return Where to do sender. We go? Where do we go from here? The post office. I mean, like, my God. Where, where, where? What 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 good is happening? Where's where's the good? Where's the good? And you know we've had an over subscription. Like this was the year we protested against police brutality, and even still, we are oversubscribed on the number of uh, police brutality, police violence incidents that we have to mourn. It's too I do, much. We, we, you're right. We are oversubscribed because if we think about. Because we ain't even talk about Richard the, Brooks anymore. We went straight with to Jacob from Ahmad and Brianna, Brianna and George Floyd. We don't even talk about Atlanta no more. We, nope. I mean, like, there's so many. There's so many. I think that, I mean, look, I, I believe that the cops, um, uh, pun intended, are triggered. And I think that they just don't give a fuck. I don't think they care. They definitely, they, they are triggered. Donald Trump compared the shooting of Jacob Blake to golfing. Did you hear that, Torre? When he said that essentially 
Um, Rustin Shelsky, the officer that shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back. In the back. That he choked the way that one would do on a three-foot putter. Wait a minute. That's what he said to Wait Laura Ingram. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The the police officer, say his name? Rustin Shesky. He didn't choke. He did exactly what he intended to do. He nailed no. the shot. He- no, no. Because in Trump's mind, if he didn't choke, then Jacob Blake would be dead. You got to follow the train here. He wasn't able to complete the stroke, is what Donald Trump was saying to Laura Ingram, who is the most abhorrent person. And even she looked like you should not say that out loud, even if you do believe it, which I know you do. Say that on the inside. Someone sent around this meme where there's six white people who were arrested peacefully while mm-hmm. heavily armed, including heavily armed mm-hmm. Dylan Roof and Kyle Rittenhouse, and six black people who were unarmed and murdered, including George Floyd, Elijah McClain, and Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor. And it, it really brings home the notion that in America, being black is a crime in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And we are guilty until proven innocent. Who who said it that you will never be seen as unarmed when your when your skin is considered a weapon? I forget who said that, but that is that those are straight facts, right? You can take. By the way, Kyle Rittenhouse turned himself in. Okay. So it wasn't even a manhunt. There wasn't even uh, vehicles that rolled up in front of his house. Um, the police didn't charge in and grab him or chase him down. On a, No, the motherfucker turned himself in. So let's just also be clear about the context in which these people are arrested, right? It's not just, oh, you know, yeah, we got the bad guy. It's, oh, come on, son. Did you have a rough day? I'm so sorry you felt like you had to take the law into your own hands. You had to murder the whole co- school. But co- here you come. I'll get you a burger. How I, about a shake? I mean, you know. Look, part of this is explained and explored in uh, Isabel Wilkerson's new book, Cast, where she talks about the violence and the domestic terrorism that is... Uh, served on bodies that inhabit the lowest caste in order to keep them there and perpetuate that sense that we are lesser than. And, you know, for every video of us being murdered, um, you know, or shot in the back when we are unarmed, we also see these videos of white people, especially white men, screaming at cops and disrespecting cops and the cops finding a way to not pull the trigger to physically back up so they know how to de-escalate and be patient when it's a white body when it's a white man screaming at them but when it's a black person not doing every single thing they say they flip the fuck out it's it's 
not doing everything they say, not like, and you know, I, I tell you that how people are supposed to be trained, trained professionals with guns on how to de-escalate situations, but we are mere citizens go trying to go about our day-to-day lives, but we're supposed to be the ones that de-escalate their fear of our black body, right? Like, I, I don't I, I don't know what we're supposed to do here, but I do know that white people need to start asking themselves really hard questions, which is why they are okay with so much black death or why they need to justify continual murder of black people or maiming of our bodies in the way that Jacob Blake is now maimed. The man will never walk again, right? His kids will need deep, deep therapy for the trauma of seeing their dad shot almost to death in front of them. You know, and and I just feel like we don't force white people to ask any types of critical questions of themselves or sensibility. It's always, the burden is always on us and it's fucking exhausting. It is um, constantly painful to, to interface with the way that this country treats us and then to also see the way that especially on the right sometimes on the left sometimes on the left also that white people will defend racism and will explain Mm -hmm. away racism and it hurts when people on the right do it but i expect nothing better than from them but Mm -hmm. sometimes our friends on the left will fall into these traps and they may say things like, well, he wasn't following the law. Well, he was walking away from the cops. Well, 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 like, you know, and and it it is hurtful. It is painful when the fact of the matter is that these are moments of domestic terrorism that are meant to put black people in their place just the same way that lynching was meant to put us in our place yep. decades ago and let us not forget that it hasn't been two weeks since the rnc put the mccloskey couple on the national stage let them get two minutes to say whatever they wanted about how they were the actual victims when they pulled out guns on a group of protesters who were walking past their house, were not attacking their house, were not checking for their house, and they weren't even on the lawn. They weren't even. Do you on know what I'm lawn. saying? They weren't even on the and fucking lawn. And let's be clear, because I saw the video of these people walking in, as I'm sure you did. They walked in through an open gate. It was not broken. They did not break down the gate like a bunch of banshees. They were not even looking for the McCloskey house. They were looking for the mayor. But they walked in through an open gate and were moving down the road toward the mayor's house. And the McCloskeys ran out within three seconds. Didn't even have time to put on their shoes, but they grabbed their guns. This is not... Normal? Not normal, not moral, not not this is not acceptable human behavior they were not under threat but because they saw black skin and they saw blm protesters they felt literally under threat and you can only imagine the spiritual threat that they feel under their position 
as top dogs in the country is they feel is under threat. I keep going back to this Harvard study that I saw years ago, which was called White People See Race as a Zero-Sum Game That They Are Losing. They are in charge, and any gain by black and brown people means they have lost something. So because I- fundamentally they operate from the scarcity model. Like this is that is scarcity, right? It is the belief that there is not enough. There is not enough equity. There is not enough uh, in, of anything. So any any gain that anybody makes is is your loss. If you were to live in a place, grow from a place of abundance, let me pull my best Oprah and like Eckhart Tolle. If you were to <laughs> live from your best place of abundance, the whole model of republicanism is that there is not enough. Right. So and these people are undeserving. That is what we don't talk about when we talk about whiteness. That is the fundamental understanding. When that teacher, I forget her name, she asks a group of students, a group of white students, would any of you want to be black for a day? Not one person raised their hand. She said, I don't think you understood the question. Would any of you want to be black for a day? Raise your hand. Nobody raised their hand. So if, being, if, if there is nothing different in being white and being black, then why wouldn't you want to? Because I would think that some would say, yes, I would like to be black for a day because they do see a certain part of blackness that seems um, interesting to them. Right. Like occasionally white people will slip up and say things like which basically amount to the joy that you see out of cultural blackness and the ecstasy that you see out of black athletic success seems interesting to them. They would like to inhabit that. And in a day you could have that joy of blackness. Now, the problem is that that joy is based off of the pain that we have to deal with because of a lifetime of blackness. We party so hard because the anxiety um, and the Mm -hmm. stress and pain of being black is so heavy. So now if you had to be black for a lifetime, that would be painful. But, you know, for a day I could get away with like, you know, I could dunk, I could talk to black girls, I could go to a party it would be they didn't all, want any part of it. They don't want any they didn't part want of any it. Part, they didn't want any part they of it. They asked the wrong white Why? kids because some would they say could yes. Because they could get killed. They could get maimed. Um, they're not going to get served at a restaurant. They're they, going to be followed around a store. This is all pre-COVID. They couldn't get, um, they couldn't get free money at the bank. Right. They couldn't get a loan. They couldn't buy a home. You know, all of these things. But the, it was the fact, it was the way that the question was asked that just had white people show their entire full ass, right? Which is that you don't want to believe that white privilege is a thing. You want to believe that racism is something that black people have made up when, in fact, it's something that you have designed and then want to gaslight us into believing that it doesn't exist, right? But then when given the opportunity to say, oh, yes, like I, you know, because there is no difference, I don't see color, your first reaction would be like, oh, hell no. No, I don't want to be black. Fuck that. That seems crazy. (sighs) yeah that's how i feel about the world thank you for listening to another episode of democracy ish
Torrey is thoroughly depressed. This I episode. am thoroughly depressed. The more deeply I think about America, the more thoroughly depressed I am. And at least this week, it feels like we are falling into a tangle of thorns that will be extraordinarily hard to untangle. Um, Trumpism is not going to be killed by the defeat of Trump, and it is going to be a cancer that we Mm -hmm. have to spend years rooting Mm -hmm. out. And as long as they have enablers like Trump, like Rush Limbaugh, like Fox News, Sean Hannity, Laura, the evil Tucker Carlson, um, as long as we have that, we are going to have a significant problem in this country. Yeah, it's an uphill battle. And it's, you know, it's one that we have to continue fighting. So rest up, everyone, because it's 60 some odd days until fucking election day. And we need to make it too big to rig. So there's that. Mm. So thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week. If? Yes. If? If. There, we will be live from a bunker regardless of if there's a country. But let's all pray about oh, it. Pray Even you atheists. It. Oh my God. <laughs> Peace.